So um, you guys ready to talk about the five most vulnerable congressional districts in Pennsylvania? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be talking about several neighborhood blocks in uh, Terrytown, New York. Yeah. yeah, what this episode's actually going to be is just, um, you know, a 200 hour long minute by minute update on the election. I was going to say welcome to the 538 elections podcast. <laughs> That would be, I mean, that would be almost better if they just did um, much like, well, okay, so to, for, if, if this makes it in, we were just speaking about how uh, Phil is going to be doing a media engagement tomorrow night during the election. And as part of that, he will be, maybe you want to tell this part, Phil? Oh yeah. I'm going to be in a closed room, uh, just me and a bunch of sandwiches are apparently <laughs> going to be there. <laughs> so just, what right. I'm thinking is that like, I'm just going to do a sort of augury with the election, we're going to be doing predictions based on what is on the sandwich that I ran. Like if it's roast beef, <laughs> might be some trouble for Biden oh in the Fox Valley, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and that'll be just for listeners of the podcast. So if you tune in, you'll know based on which sandwich he's eating on air. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. But uh, I would I, I'll be I, sending subliminal <laughs> But since um, since. <laughs> Since B said, you know, a, a two hour, a 200 hour, uh, you know, live elections reaction, that would be kind of uh, great if something like 538 were brave or perhaps dumb enough to do sort of an Andy Warhol, like Empire State Building style yes. video. Oh, that would be just great. Like <laughs> from the moment that uh, election returns start coming in, hit record until <laughs> the camera does not, cannot turn off until it is decided which you know so it may never be able to end but it's just like a b-roll of a municipal building in bucks county pennsylvania <laughs> I'm, i think i'm gonna go with a warhol motif in the future everyone will be statistically significant for 15 minutes <laughs> oh, no. on the podcast all right good work everybody (laughs) nice swift three minute podcast (laughs) you wish yeah now that was our our elections podcast now let's get to uh something completely different let's get to the real news (laughs) welcome to the death panel patrons thank you so much for supporting the show we could not do this without you so please send the show to your friends so obviously you know, we're recording this on Monday. There is virtually nothing that we can say about the election that'll be relevant in 12 hours, let alone a week later. Or interesting even right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're all pretty newsed out. I've, I've reached a state of Zen, you know, it's just going to be kind of like bad either ways and it's going to take a while. So I'm just like up here waiting to see which shade of bad. Because obviously one is much worse, but yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's like there's going to be more crazy Trump stuff. There's going to be more, you know, violent white supremacist stuff. The police are going to do horrible things. So what better than to talk about (laughs) 
COVID quackery instead. Again. Yes. <laughs> when in doubt, we just go back to the yeah. deep, deep, deep <laughs> and never ending reservoir of this. It's truly a pleasure to be revisiting this material in its expanded format. Listeners, we are, are pleased to bring you our second pandemic episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we covered this uh back in, I think, May, when the initial preview of the documentary came out. And what it basically is, if if you've not heard of Plandemic, is a guy from Ojai, California, (laughs) uh, who's a father and a patriot. That's right. (laughs) Decided to make a documentary with this scientist, mostly like formed initially around an interview with the scientist named Dr. Judy Mikovitz, who was a disgraced HIV researcher. And their idea was basically that the global pharmaceutical cabal has, including the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the NIH, has colluded to create and release the coronavirus pandemic. A planned pandemic. Right, exactly. Get it? Planned. Yeah. See, right. that very, very <laughs> clever portmanteau. That's right. It's just, it's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Stellar work. So the idea is that, you know, this is an engineered disease that has been created in a lab and released like a bioweapon. And that sort of all the measures that are being put in place from, you know, social distancing to mask wearing are um, all not actually going to help you with coronavirus is their idea. So Dr. Dr. Judy thinks that if you wear a mask, you'll actually reactivate the existing coronavirus in your body. Well, so I want to just just point out before we get into the new one, because so basically what happened is, yeah, they released this. They said that, you know, this documentary pandemic is coming out. They released a 26 minute what they called a clip um, from it, which was mostly this interview with Dr. Judy Mikovits. then there was such fierce backlash. It got like roundly debunked and was like a huge, you know, like media hit for just a hot second. Google, Google like took it like, off of YouTube. Off yeah, it got pulled and, off YouTube. Yeah, yeah. It got pulled off Facebook. And um, and so this guy, uh, what's his name, Mickey, whatever, the father slash filmmaker, um, basically it seems like got kind of Mickey a, Willis. Yeah, got got upset and said, you know, they're not going to finish the documentary as planned. But then they they swung it to now. There's this whole thing that's going to be a pandemic series, and pandemic two has been released, uh, which is what we're going to talk about today. But I do want to mention one thing, which is um, so. I've pulled some, you know, as we talked about with another recent episode, sometimes it's best to just like actually hear the words coming directly (laughs) from these people. Um, But they truly are awesome. It's interesting because you mentioned and we mentioned in the other episode, which was what reminded us of Plandemic, um, this whole thing of uh, Dr. Judy Mikovitz saying like the wearing a mask like activates the virus within you. Mm-hmm. And you know what's very interesting is on the pandemic website, I noticed this morning because I was trying to find that clip mm-hmm. to pull, that has been removed from <laughs> there is a new edit. Oh. The edit that exists now of the original pandemic interview is different. So the oh, cool this is thing worse about than Blade Runner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so too cool. many edits going around. <laughs> 
Well, so um, let, let me, uh, let's just say, if you want to make your own, let's say, special edition of the, uh, you know, the, like the, uh, the a director's cut, if you will, of um, <laughs> Plandemic. Do never, I never want to see the director's cut of Plandemic. <laughs> well, no. here's the cool, here's the cool thing. Uh, you know, we did a whole episode about this. So I have pulled a clip from our episode. Oh my God, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sucks. I'm going to try and edit this really quickly so it makes it so the, you'll you're gonna hear us see mickey you can't beat the this is panel. us from before and then you'll hear a sound and then it's back to us again so just okay but let's just, just to set to set the tone just for what the first one was right yes mm-hmm. let me just play this this very brief uh, audio clip final thing yeah wearing the mask literally activates your own virus you're getting sick from uh, your own reactivated coronavirus expressions and if it happens to be SARS-CoV-2 then you've got a big problem you're not you're not the first virologist who has told me that we're doing the exact opposite of what we should be doing to contain and to create immunity from this virus Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wow. Well, okay. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I feel like my, all the sounds that my mouth is making <laughs> then is just going to make again. The same sounds, I feel yeah. like I made the same like, is same that an echo of me? Like, what yeah. is this? <laughs> For That's... clarity, I'm not going to include any of what we, anything that we would have just done on the mic. So everything that you just heard that was us reacting was from our original pandemic episode. But from this point on, from this point on, there's no weird meta shit that's going to be in this episode. It is all just... Just, yeah, this I'm is actually lost already. This is already. Can I, I just, just love say that was the most uncanny experience yet on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, like, it's which, just... which Phil is laughing? Future <laughs> Phil or now Phil? Or past Phil? Well, the, the, the fact that this is what we have to do, this is these are the lengths that we have to go to to get fucking receipts on people is like, God damn it. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Huh. Oh, well, that's so funny. Yeah. So just, I guess maybe first we should do, cause I think the, the way that I would like to do this personally is I think, so I pulled some clips as I mentioned, and, uh, I think my impression of this is that there is pandemic two indoctrination, which is, you know, not that it's, that's actually the title of indoctrination. Um, yeah. Uh, it kind of swings wildly from broad point to broad point to the point that actually like a lot of the things that it's stating are kind of left to inference. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've tried to sort of organize the clips in such a way that we can like get a bit to the core of what they're actually trying to say. Um, yeah. Because Whoever, otherwise that probably imposes a kind of coherence on it. Just fair warning. <laughs> imposes yeah. a certain right. kind of coherence on it that does not exist. So yes, <laughs> that's right. I have thought a lot about how to organize this, um, <laughs> which is not the experience that you're necessarily going to have when you, if you watch this thing, which yeah, I do friend, not recommend. Our friend Mickey we, Willis did not put a lot of thought into the sequencing of how he was going to make his argument in we, this. We watched this so no one has to. Yeah. I'll, just, yeah. I'll just say that. I mean, or, or kind of he did because, you know, that there's, there's no real argument to, to, to be made at the end of the Listen, day and it's just the a man it's... can't pronounce w-h-o right okay we'll get to that that's hilarious <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, do okay um i guess i guess first though before we sort of like go through this uh as sort of a a new newly sequenced uh <laughs> like set of set of the sort of i think what are the key statements in this which are 
something else and hilarious. Um, what are our what are our initial takeaways from Plandemic Two indoctrination? <laughs> I mean, I felt. <laughs> go ahead, B. No, no, go ahead, Phil. I, I like the original better. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think uh, I think it was a um, this one definitely had the characteristic of trying to cover its ass more than the first one. The yeah. first one was a little bit more big dick energy. This one was a lot more. I've spent like 16 hours discussing this on Reddit with a 12 year old and I've got these really big ideas about Google. But I have to say I was delightfully surprised by some of the amazing experts that were in this. <laughs> yeah. Such I, a treat. No, I feel like this this movie is um, it has a characteristic like of a lot of uh it, it, it tries to do what a lot of documentaries will do for like a minute or two, which is like provide some background right. to the story of how <laughs> the documentary was produced or like the, the, the sort of like the network of truth claims that one has to accept to accept the thing that they're trying to say. But like that's the whole movie. Right? The entire <laughs> movie is set is like before you do the, the, the psychedelic thing of like set and setting the entire movie is getting you ready for the high totally and then the high never really comes right it doesn't <laughs> so hit it, just, it doesn't hit yeah it's yeah it's I, I mean i don't i can't believe i have to say this if you find yourself talking about the founders of snopes <laughs> in your like big conspiracy f- fucking red string documentary like you've lost people (laughs) like and that's kind of and i I think um some of that to to form a more coherent narrative uh some of that we'll maybe tackle out of order but i will Mm -hmm. say the basic yeah the basic structure of this documentary which is not the structure that we're about to put forward is they start off i i thought actually they start off quite strong because i was expecting this like we're gonna we're gonna debunk the debunkers we've got new information we're gonna try and beat we're, Mm -hmm. we're gonna prove that this the coronavirus was patented that the novel coronavirus is evil or whatever and, <laughs> and, and man-made. Um, yeah, this wasn't a and Yan report it goes, situation. And then it hard pivots to, did you know that Google has antitrust problems? And <laughs> like, right. uh, I was and, like, are y- y'all going to start talking about section 230? This is getting <laughs> weird. And like Wikipedia is run by the Wikimedia Foundation and PolitiFact <laughs> is bad. Like, yeah, PolitiFact is <laughs> terrible. Like, what, okay. No, but the, the, just, the, just the part when, when it when Alexa starts reading from Wikipedia. Oh yeah. Totally. Actually here, let's, let's just get this, let's get this one out of the way. Let's get underway. Um, (laughs) Cause I have that exact clip. Wikipedia is the go-to destination for introductions to people, places, and things. Even the all knowing Amazon Alexa calls on this digital encyclopedia. Alexa, who is Dr. Judy Mikovits? According to Wikipedia, Judy Ann Mikovits is a former American research scientist who is known for her discredited medical claims. <laughs> Plandemic so, 3 is going to be like, the Death Panel podcast mispronounced Judy Mikovits' name. Therefore, their claims are not true. Audi Verkant was a man born in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Mikovits. Okay. Sorry, not Mikovits. Whatever. So, it's Mickey and Mikovits. So that's the... Yeah, this is the level of defense that we're working on here. My, my, um, how to put it, I would characterize the overall tone 
of this as something like ad busters for boomers. Oh, for basically. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, like, that's actually well, well digested there. I kind of felt like it was uh, somebody had watched a bunch of Michael Moore movies <laughs> and like yeah. got a couple <laughs> elements of style. They like read the Michael Moore how to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then. But like not, but like the, the, his worst, whatever his like worst movie is, they, they, they like got that. Totally. Um, okay. So let's, 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 let's start off. Let, let's start from, from the beginning as it were. And then let's, as the, as the documentary itself uh, proposes that we do, let's go <laughs> down the rabbit hole, oh shall we? <laughs> um, so here's, here's uh, how it introduces the, the, it starts, it starts by saying, um, you know, because basically, you know, the, the the central part of the sort of beginning is that the characterizations of, of Judy were unfair, um, which is why it then gets into the media criticism stuff. And sort of on the way there, it goes into this sort of it introduces some new characters and uh, gets us mm-hmm. into this world of uh, patent law. But let's mm-hmm. let's see how this um, this documentary sort of declares itself <laughs> on May 4th, 2020, as part of a documentary series called Plandemic. I released an interview featuring science whistleblower, Dr. Judy Mikovits. The interview received fierce backlash is for spreading the guy what or the is media this a declared dangerous is what I kept thinking. <laughs> As a father and a veteran media producer, there is no way that I would release harmful information into the world during a moment as vulnerable as now. Like, have they, like, auto-tuned his voice to screen reader? <laughs> yeah, he sounds, he sort of Where's sounds my, like uh, he... iOS update with a Mickey Willis voice? That's what I need. <laughs> no he father sound... could be a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He sounds As like he just... myself. He sounds like he just counted backwards from 10, like, <sighs> okay, <laughs> just, like, serenity now, <laughs> and then, like, and then, like, did the, did the thing, or kind of like he just uh, took twice as much Kalanapin as he should have and uh and went for it. Oh, I don't know. I think I think to this guy uh Klonopin would be petroleum based yeah. medicine that yeah. the uh, that John D. <laughs> oh Rockefeller wants you to take. But yeah, so. he probably just like spent some time sitting on his Yoni egg and um you know just felt like really calm afterwards. <laughs> I do I, I wanna get us I wanna get us to the meat of uh where the conspiracy theory begins and the rabbit hole really starts. Very early on, we are introduced um, to a new character who stays with us for the rest of the documentary, who's sort of the Judy Mikovits of... Plandemic 2. Of Plandemic 2, mm-hmm. yeah. In Doctor Nation. In Doctor Nation. Um, this guy is um, David E. Martin, um, who introduces himself this way. I'm the developer of Linguistic Genomics, which was the first platform on which you could determine the intent of communication rather than the literal artifact of C- communication. What what is that? What that's not a thing. That's nothing. It's, it's like <laughs> a it's like a search index thing. Uh he then uses it to say that basically he like his his company has been, I don't know, watchdogging patents basically. Um, right. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like this this movie commits like one of the cardinal uh, sins of movies that have experts in them or people who don't really know what the experts expertise is about, which is you just let them talk about what they've done and they do not give an actual like plain English summary of what it is. And you're like, see, <laughs> <laughs> um, OK, so this this is uh, so now we're introduced basically to um let's say one of one of the central components i think of the theory um Mm -hmm. here so i'll I'll let uh david e martin uh begin to explain (laughs) in 2003 the center for disease control 
saw the possibility of a gold strike. And that was the coronavirus outbreak that happened in Asia. They saw that a virus they knew could be easily manipulated was something that was very valuable. And in 2003, they sought to patent it. And they made sure that they controlled the proprietary rights to the disease, to the virus, and to its detection, and all of the measurement of it. <laughs> we know that Anthony Fauci, that Ralph Barrick, that the Center for Disease Control, and the laundry list of people who wanted to take credit for inventing coronavirus, were at the hub of this story. From 2003 to 2018, they controlled 100% of the cash flow that built the empire around the industrial complex of coronavirus. Around the castle, around the yeah, moat. You can just imagine, of... you can imagine the documents just sort of like the document B-roll is just very, uh, very on point there. Yeah, yeah there's a the, lot of at, highlighting in, in real time that happens. This is like a procession. They're showing like a procession of different patents that have the word coronavirus in it, mm -hmm. basically. On April the 25th, 2003, the U.S. Center for Disease Control filed a patent on the coronavirus transmitted to humans. Under 35 U.S. Code Section 101, nature is prohibited from being patented. Either SARS coronavirus was manufactured, therefore making a patent on it legal, or it was natural, therefore making a patent on it illegal. If it was manufactured, it was a violation of biological and chemical weapons, treaties and laws. If it was natural, filing a patent on it was illegal. In either outcome, both are illegal. They had the means, they had the motive, and most of all, they had the monetary gain from turning coronavirus from a pathogen to profit. Developing and owning right. a coronavirus vaccine has become yeah. a biotech arms race with political overtones. This vaccine gold rush is starting to bother me. Gold rush. Hmm. Let's keep that in mind. David Martin's <laughs> such a funny guy. There's so much about this that obviously could ring true, right? Mm -hmm. And he's one of those figures who sort of seems to get obsessed with certain themes and motifs. And so this whole idea of like gold and alchemy is really primary in his work, which is really interesting. He has this whole blog called The Inverted Alchemist, where he like has been promoting this song by the son of Warren Buffett and Akon that was made for the UN a couple years ago. That's all about like child trafficking and gold. So basically like... <laughs> He's a market analyst who's like does investments, but also created this like AI tool. And that's his background, which I think is important to get out of the way. Right. And so, but like the other thing is he is, he's trading here on the, the fact that most people, including, you know, uh, uh, people who might even have some, some familiarity with like how viruses work don't understand how patents work right. and why the CDC or anyone would be looking for, cause they can just like show the documents and it's like, okay, well, what are they doing? What are they applying for a patent for? Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he says that the CDC is trying to control the proprietary rights to SARS, uh, which is simply not true in the sense that there were 
a bunch of uh, public <laughs> and private organizations right. <laughs> trying to, uh, after the SARS outbreak occurred in the early 2000s, try to patent like a sequencing of the genetic code of SARS, right? And like that is not the same thing as controlling the proprietary rights to a naturally occurring uh, disease. So right. yeah, it's just you, yeah. right, right. But so like, but here's the thing: because this entire the entirety of this argument actually rests on this premise of like, first of all, rests on a totally ahistorical understanding of what happened here, uh, mm-hmm. and on a uh, on on the premise of again, you know, the the like, oh, you can't patent life sounds true, right? Right. Um, like you can't if it's if it's naturally occurring, you can't can't patent it. Therefore, either it's an invalid patent or it's or it's like a gotcha that like uh, it was created in a lab. It was created in a lab. Right. Yeah. But what this ignores is so uh, like so basically the way the way now uh, that this that like patenting uh, genetic material from stuff like a virus works is that you do have if a uh, you know novel genetic sequence uh, is found or if you just you know if you are the first to sequence a specific genetic structure um, you don't you can't uh, and this was like uh, upheld in a 2013 Supreme Court case but they the law does not protect anything that you just like found you can't find something in nature and just be like that's mine or whatever, but you can, (laughs) but you can sequence it. And according to this, uh, this case, which was decided in 2013, you can, yeah, uh, basically patent the like cDNA genetic copy that then becomes like, essentially if your lab does a genetic sequence, then can synthesize genetic copies basically of this genetic sequence and then patent it, then yeah, they get the, they basically get the rights to like send it out to, uh, or to like have control over sending out like copies or whatever to re, uh, other to labs other labs to do research, etc. Not saying there should be no contention there, but I'm just saying that like that is how it works. And obviously, you know, while that was basically enshrined in law only in 2013, in this case, uh, Association of Meth- Molecular Pathology versus uh, Myriad Genetics Incorporated, which by the way was like a nine zero decision that Clarence Thomas wrote the. <laughs> Uh, opinion for but so obviously (laughs) while 2013 uh, well that's like 2013 and they're talking about a a patent filed in 2004 the reason was because at this point in like the early 2000s genetic sequencing was like a boom industry there were all Mm -hmm. these questions about like what was going to happen with the uh the patenting of genetic sequences what was going to happen with like what like what was the where did this legal precedent stand of like, oh, you can't patent a naturally occurring substance, right? Mm-hmm. Because now the, the the slippage exists, right? Where, you know, you you can sequence the genetic structure and then you can use RNA to create like a cDNA uh, genetic copy, right? Mm-hmm. So basically the CDC filed this patent like defensively to make sure that a private entity wasn't going to file the patent for it. Yeah. And to make sure that basically then... Uh, you know, I don't know. It's funny because it's like in this case, you know, again, not ideal to have this sort of intellectual property structure around this type of material. But it's like actually the state working in the way that it probably should have to make sure that a single mm-hmm. 
like yeah. private company doesn't just like own SARS. Company, yeah. the original yeah. SARS. Complete monopolistic control. Yeah. The, the fact that like defensive patenting as a practice is something the CDC has to engage in, like, is an indictment of our intellectual yeah. property system for sure. Our political economy. Yeah, <laughs> but it's totally. important to like to to recognize the fact that like what Martin's saying, right? is that that the virus that was patented in 2004 is like part one of the virus that we have now as if SARS-CoV-2 literally means that it's like SARS-CoV number two. Right. Um, and that is also like absolutely false. And mm-hmm. there are about 40 different viruses in this family that have been discovered since the 1930s. And they all bear some genetic relationship to each other and the the strain SARS-CoV-2 which is like causing the disease COVID-19 which we're dealing with right now has about like an 80% relation to what was patented in 2004 which is not a ton right, right. that 20% accounts for a lot of difference and it accounts mm-hmm. for things such as like pathogenicity how sick you're going to get um, how long incubation period is. So it's it's just that these are sort of like the f- same family of diseases. And what was patented were literally the isolated genome, isolated coronavirus proteins, and isolated nucleic acid molecules. So it's not like they're patenting the virus. They're patenting the like ability to like copy components of the virus for study also to try and standardize what the study sample is which is like also pretty common practice right but throughout but throughout the documentary that standardization gets tracked as the manufacturer of the reality almost of coronavirus like part part of the thing that's like interesting is like this is definitely a, a documentary that is it's it's interesting because the people who have been in it are sort of like simultaneously they portray themselves at, at times as coronavirus skeptics. Right. However, mm-hmm. for their claims to resound, one has to believe that coronavirus is very, very real. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. For any of this to make sense, it has to be very real and very dangerous. And so, like, that's the funny thing is like that they that whole standardization piece, it kind of bleeds into the second kind of the narrative that that like oh that there's some skepticism about the reality of this thing but it's yeah it's the very incoherent right yeah totally and i think so much of it i think the the patent uh example is like the perfect first example of this because this is this is one of the first uh like sort of gotchas that they put out that you get where it's sort of like okay yeah if you went if you if you like go and hit up google and you're like, hey, is nature patentable? Right. It'll be like, no. Right. Right. <laughs> so it sounds right. You know what I mean? Like the, the simplicity. And I don't know. It's, so it's funny for yeah a guy who claims to have been his his, uh, his uh, fortune and livelihood is built on uh, having created a process to uh, capture the intent of information. His intent <laughs> insight uh, tool. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind Which, of funny because, yeah, it's the, it's either a deliberate misreading or it's just that, like, you, you pick up tiny bits of like, well, this sounds true. And I, I'm pretty sure that's true. But you don't actually know anything about patent law or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and the this way dude's he, also not a scientist. Like, right. What? Yeah, of course. Well, well, the way that this tool that that uh, David E. Martin, Ph.D. has invented is actually used for his like business is uh, for market investments. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, 
I read David Martin primarily as a motivational. I, I'm, I'm familiar more with his speaker. motivational speaking. I'm with Phil here. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, cool. And at, he, he offers for, for a fee to come to your event and create what he calls the wobble effect, which <laughs> okay. as he says, What's that? activates people's own wisdom, transforming, empowering, and re-engaging them. He says, quote, I touch people at their core. <laughs> Which transforms them from the inside out. What? He does not. I teach you how to be the difference that makes the difference at work and at home. I make you engage, involve, and challenge you to get real about problems and look at the whole system, not just what meets the eye. The Earth's axis tilts about 23 degrees. And wobble and the wobble around the axis gives us summer and winter. The most fundamental change we perceive in life, the passage of seasons, is because the earth wobbles. Oh my god. When Does we he... were children, we played with spinning tops. I did not, uh just gonna say that. Yeah. As we slowed, we saw them wobble. Organization's core values keeps things spinning along. When leaders vary from these core values, institutions wobble. By, wow, okay. Wobble is nature's <laughs> model of transformation. You've been told that change is fearful, but that's when people choose to add friction to the dance. Oh my God. It is possible with wobbles of transformation. By instituting wobbles, the process of subtly changing the rotating mass from within, we can transform lives and systems without burning up or burning out. I'm sorry. Impactful Phil. natural transformation happens from the inside out, Artie. You sound time to wobble, baby. Phil, you sound like it sounds like uh, Malcolm Gladwell with a severe head injury. <laughs> Does he also come and do tarot card readings? Like I'm telling you, his blog unhinged. is some is some unhinged gold so in his YouTube at channel. At first too. that sounded literally like a like a weird new agey sex therapist or something. Like Wow. So uh, immediately after this segment, um, it we're, we're, it's uh, David E. Martin, you know, talking about um, the WHO patents and Anthony mm-hmm. Fauci and the various masters of the universe, et cetera, who, you know, control them uh, and, and have profited off of them. We get like, you know, again, as I, I, as I mentioned, a lot of this is built this this documentary slowly comes together through like inference. So, you know, immediately after that, we get uh, like a short clip from from this uh, French scientist, uh, <laughs> Luc Montagnier, who's like um, most recently famous for in 2014 publishing some papers that say that water has memory. Um, <laughs> and he basically, he, we basically cut to him talking about how it seems unlikely that coronavirus was man was like, not man made, sorry. It seems unlikely that coronavirus was like naturally occurring, et cetera, that it seems like the work of professionals uh etc and then we we do get into this whole sort of i would say media criticism section which i'm going to table for now uh for the most part i would i'd say you know it's kind of like the laziest version of manufacturing consent that i've ever seen oh, basically sure. <laughs> um and and then we go back to david martin right so we we've we've got this one we basically we've set up some big claims about patents and then we get this whole kind of slurry about how your like sources of information are like lying to you the media might all be the cia maybe uh like you know 
whatever. Yeah. Some, I can't some, handle the truth. It's <laughs> right. Uh, we, so they jump to this thing saying, in addition to having s- like located the fact that there were coronavirus patents, you know, general, like, you know, general coronavirus, Again, not novel coronavirus. Patents. 39 different ones since 1933. And the patents that they're specifically citing are for SARS-1, which is a completely different genetic structure. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> like, um, so they, you know, talk about all of this and then they say following from that, they, you know, did like did all this preparatory stuff, uh, I guess, uh, culminating in a 2019 event called event 201 mm-hmm. uh which i will let david e martin explain explain <laughs> my systems flagged anomalies when i started seeing nonprofits and corporates and cover financing for coronavirus programs in the late summer and fall of 2019 our first red flag came out when we read the world at risk scenario now, there is an organization called the Global Monitoring Preparedness Board. Cues this organization is a part of the World Health Organization, <laughs> and this board includes Dr. Elias from the Gates Foundation and Anthony Fauci from NIAID. These two individuals, plus the director of the Center for Disease Control in China, come out with a recommendation that says that by September 2020, two global pandemic preparedness exercises have to be completed. And one of them has to be done on the release of a respiratory pathogen. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe we can explain why these are done. Yeah. I guess, so, and what these things are. These, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, these scenarios, this kind of like, uh, what, like strategic planning larping or whatever oh yeah the tabletop simulation the, yeah this stuff yeah. Hap- this stuff happens Constantly. uh as i mean not it's just very regularized right very regularized and not just in you know pandemic uh like pre-planning scenarios it happens in you know for us like common a very common uh example is like planning scenario like larping planning scenarios uh like this leak coming out of like the fbi or whatever you mm-hmm. know to um, talking about like they, they do like defense exercise planning or something for a variety of domestic uh, terror incidents. Yeah, it's like adult model UN. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah, and again, mm-hmm. it, it like trades on this sort of um, you could imagine like this being uh, read with Adam Curtis voice with Adam Curtis B-roll <laughs> yeah. and it's sounding like ooh, uh, you know you know spooky but yeah i mean like you can take something like this and and make it sound sort of like uh spooky but this is yeah since since roughly the cold war scenario planning and like forecasting uh has been part of the way that governments across the world plan right uh whether or not it's like nefarious or uh you know, has some sort of dubious aspect about it. It relies entirely on the slippage that they make here, which is that like, if they're doing any sort of scenario planning, it must mean that they know that the scenario will happen. In which case, why would they do scenario planning like for like risk sort of assessment or evaluation? Mm -hmm. They would just simply know that it was happening. They would not need to collude in this scenario planning exercise, right? No, but in there and in there, so in their reading, uh, now that you've heard this characterization of it, let's let's hear uh, 
what's his name? Mickey, uh, husband and father, whatever, father and filmmaker, uh, Mickey. Father and patriot. And, sure. <laughs> explain uh, explain the, the purpose of this. Because to hear Plandemic 2 tell it, um, this was sort of just an example of collusion in broad daylight. That then gave rise to an October event, Event 201. On behalf of our partners in the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Event 201 took place five months before COVID-19 <laughs> was declared a pandemic. The participants of the event are some of the same people that are now deeply involved in the real pandemic and profiting from it as well. <sighs> event 201 was a scripted, multi-camera, live event that was broadcast globally via the internet. An event of this complexity and magnitude would take months to write, prep, and produce, placing the conception date at least one year prior to the actual pandemic. There is no question that there will be a surprise outbreak. Anthony Fauci knew as early as January of 2017 that we would see an outbreak before the end of 2020. Even Bill Gates, a man with no medical training, knew it was coming. If we start now, we can be ready for the next epidemic. Again. This has literally been the family of viruses that has been responsible for SARS, MERS. Like, we've already gone through these coronavirus scenarios with other coronaviruses to say that, like, the fact that they had picked a coronavirus to use for the simulation is proof that they're... you know, there's some collusion is absolutely absurd. Oh, no, Mm -hmm. but no, but what you just said is absurd, B. Here, he'll he'll prove it. Every single thing that you have seen play out in front of your eyes, all of them laid out in their tabletop exercise, which, by the way, fact checkers have said has nothing to do with the coronavirus outbreak. Just happenstance. This oh, is good. Then we don't need to be doing this universe yeah. of probabilities <laughs> where events just co-emerge and then nature conveniently backs itself into our architecture. What does that mean? That's, what that's that even, the yeah. scenario we're supposed to accept. Yeah, nature just conveniently Brilliant. backs up into our architecture. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, just, I, I love that turn I'm of not, phrase. It is not you know, like just random correlation. Reads Bruno Latour once. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that science is a social construct, man? <laughs> um, um, nature yeah, backs itself up into into us like a like a drunk person in a crowded bar spilling coronavirus all over us like a cold frothy beer oh my god um and this gets us to what in my mind is probably the best self-own uh in this entire documentary this is something that in terms of like you know if you want to talk about like how the political economy functions and the answer is actually communism uh Here's here here's the big question that is their uh, their uh, takeaway, which I understand they ask is like a rhetorical question because they're trying to prove this really hard. But it's a, just just listen to this. <laughs> I'm curious, who wrote the event 201 script? If the visionaries of the event knew at least one year in advance what was needed, why didn't they take care of those things? Considering that Bill Gates has donated half of his fortune to make the world safer, why didn't he help to better prepare our hospitals and frontline workers? Why didn't any of the event's wealthy sponsors do something? Gee, because he's a capitalist? I don't know. From the pandemic that is also man-made and not real. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Uh, Why didn't anyone do anything? If we're going to hold these tabletop exercises, if these grown men are going to LARP about a coronavirus (laughs) in a huge global pandemic, why wouldn't they do something about it? 
Hmm. Well, no, no, no. But that's but that's like that's part of the that's the that's the hook of the conspiracy theory, though, right? Right. Which is that, and this is what I think ties it to, you know, the a, a sort of tradition in conspiracy theories that goes, you know, all the way back, I think, to the to the nineteen fifties, and and relies on and trades on the fact that people have this very everyday experience that they feel like they're being screwed and that people are profiting off of their misery, which Mm -hmm. assuredly they are. (laughs) Uh, But the, the, it, 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 the entire thing depends on the idea that they knew they didn't only know about it coming. They knew about it coming and failed to do anything. Not because that's just the fucking logic of capitalism, which is that like, it is not profitable. (laughs) in the in a with within the absence of an actual pandemic to like invest in a vaccine right for something right right that is not a profitable enterprise uh, up front uh, even though he quotes bill gates is like saying that later that's just simply not true right. um the uh, at least when you compare it to other things you could invest in all right so but like it Realizing the idea that rather than actually thinking like capitalists, they're like, yes, let us like concoct this huge thing, which will actually lay waste to capitalist economies um, so that we can make a product which only one out of five people or, or like which which a significant number of people will not want to take. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. Um, so it's. Yeah, there are a lot of things sort of like jammed right. up in that in that stream, but it is sort of I think it's relying on this idea that they didn't do anything because they knew that they could profit from it later, even though that is just right. makes no sense. Because vaccines are so uh, from the perspective of like an investor, or like what you might be trying to do. Yeah. Well, and that, that's why that's why I uh, think of it as like uh, boomer ad busters, because it's like <laughs> they so they they so desperately want to believe that there is like competent total control of global society that in their through their like half understandings of how power works or how institutions function or like why they function in the way they do they then because they assume like a totality of control in like power structures Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. it's like they can't like it can't simply be that there is a systemic like rot in our institutions, which is caused by like capitalism and a flawed political economy that no, is like it's, fundamentally vile. Right. It's, it's definitely like, just evil daddy state that is so smart and colluding. Right. But well, and doesn't want you to win. I also think that like the the way that this works is is it allows you to like whatever sort of like flavor of aggrievement or like victimhood you happen to feel you're able to like sort of like sink into that angle of the conspiracy yeah i kept i kept going back and forth on that which is that i think i kept wondering could you recut this (laughs) and have it tell a different story No, for sure um and and ultimately came to the conclusion that you couldn't Mm -hmm. uh as, as a whole because so much of the movie is hinged on defending the claims made in the first movie. Like this, <laughs> this movie could not exist in a world which out with, without this movie existing. Right. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit like the talk boy in home alone too. Um, but uh, the, but I do think that 
there is, and not just because the director poached stylistic, ele- clearly is like poaching stylistic elements from sort of like liberal documentaries of the early 2000s, but also because there is a, I think there is sort of an implicit understanding of how power works and the the way that sort of uh, flows of uh, power exist between the state, between uh, firms and international organizations that really, I, I think you could trace a through line through the movie network, yeah, um, which they explicitly <laughs> which they, cite yeah. in, in the, in the movie as if network is, is not merely like revelatory or like a good movie or like expose something, but like the network is in some ways like a primary source <laughs> right. uh, for, for the logic. But I think you can go all the way back because network itself its understanding of power has a lot to do with like C Wright Mills uh, and like the, the power elite sort of theory, which is, is sort of a really uh, difficult to prove set of claims about interlocking directorates right. uh, of these. So you like, Oh, people sit on one another's boards of these organizations. Hence that means there is like a cabal or a conspiracy uh, for, you know, poisoning all of us or, or whatever. Like it can't be the case for these people that like we like <laughs> that, uh, that there's any sort of like structural explanation for either why, uh, COVID-19 would exist, why we wouldn't be able to respond especially well, or why some organizations, uh, or sources of structural power in the world would seek to, or be able to make profit when bad things happen. <laughs> right. Like yeah. there's it, all of those things have to like converge, uh, for this to work into one conspiracy theory, which at, somehow at the center is Anthony Fauci, which is maybe the, the most, most like, of, like, the least believable part absurd. of the entire <laughs> and, and listeners, we have no love for Dr. Fauci no, on the yeah. show. Like, Mm-mm. you know, I, I feel it's so funny. You brought up the recut thing. Cause I kept thinking that over and over because so many of the arguments in this that are presented really rely on sounding similar enough to like quite genuine critiques of like global capitalism or pharmaceutical monopolies or just property in general. So if you're not paying attention Right. And I think this documentary is for people or who are not. Or if your understanding of power is, is different, is extremely right? limited, actually. And you can't. And it's like you take like let's say capitalism, for example, as some sort of like, you know, naturally occurring or like for granted, like if you take it for granted, basically. Yeah. Right? I mean, mm-hmm. it creates a sort of like pathway to to blame for the epidemic, which really indemnifies like the systems and structures which are actually responsible for what, what are going on. Right. Because like power is both much more deeply embedded and ingrained like the way that like power and like the manufacturing of consent and social mm-hmm. control like actually manifests is much more dispersed and actually insidious than the way that they're uh, imagining. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. Well, they make it digestible too, you know? But th- this is the problem though, not merely with pandemic too, indoctrination as it were, uh, <laughs> but with the, <laughs> but with, with the like holotype of the liberal documentary on which pandemic two is essentially modeled. Right. right. And the, the problem is that, for, for either because the directors of those early 2000 documentaries had no like actual critique of capitalism or <laughs> right. they their understanding of it was 
in order to tell a narrative, you have to have a conspiracy rather than like a story about structures, because I don't know, that doesn't sell. It doesn't make a narrative. It bores people, et cetera. Like that is the, like that is where, that is the genesis of this approach to like talking about uh, the world. And yeah, it has resonances with like right-wing populism of the fifties, but it's all sort of interspersed. Right. And I, I just think that like the, yeah, that the, the problem of narrative in trying to understand why bad things happen is very, very common. And mm-hmm. it is often where people, I think sometimes, you know, perfectly well-meaning people in writing a trade press book might <laughs> write an introduction and conclusion that sound conspiratorial to sell copies mm-hmm. because sometimes structural power doesn't really make a sexy or good narrative. You right. can't tell a story about it. <laughs> totally. Right. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. So let, let's, um, I guess without further ado, let's get into what exactly the power structure is that pandemic to <laughs> oh indoctrination boy. seeks to be exposing. Um, I've got a couple mm-hmm. clips here. It starts with the WHO. Uh, I don't know if we want to go into his Rockefeller, uh, you know, side thing where, um, so yeah, it starts, it starts here with, um, First, so, you know, the WHO who set up event 201, which they're, you know, pointing to as this, uh, you know, smoking gun, basically, of this <laughs> mm-hmm. plan-demic having happened in in, uh, in public view. And uh, and this is this is how it characterizes, how the documentary characterizes, I guess, the, the power structure of the WHO, what they do and uh, why they would have done event 201. The World Health Organization is the institution granted exclusive power to guide and protect the health and wellness of humanity. The WHO is sustained by private donations, the the bulk of which are made by pharmaceutical and biotech corporations who have a vested financial interest in the organization's support. In 2017, the Associated Press reported that the WHO routinely spends about $200 million a year on travel expenses, more than what it spends to fight some of the biggest problems in public health, including AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria combined. The WHO's repeated issuing of inaccurate oh and bad advice Stop calling it that. is not merely the result of incompetence, but rather the direct result of the Communist Party of China deliberately buying oh out WHO's Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> he's really Man, assigning... Had, he's this really is assigning. all a big conspiracy where Xi Jinping is, you know, using the Communist Party of China to buy the who. <laughs> Famed <laughs> pinball wizard Xi Jinping. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, Roger Daltrey and uh, Pete Townsend are, are really given a, a, a lot of blame in this. Yeah, this is where it turns from, like early 2000s liberal movie to like 1950s conservative radio program being broadcast on shortwave. <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> um, have you, have you all ever seen zeitgeist? No, no, oh, no, no, uh, no, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But it like, yeah, it, to, to me, it's like, it very much is, yeah, it, it's, it is sort of a Frankenstein's monster of, yeah, something like a Michael Moore documentary and, uh, one of the let's say early 2000s like you know loose change or zeitgeist or whatever mm-hmm. like one of these uh conspiracy like conspiracy videos um mm-hmm. that was uh you know i mean like mickey mickey willis like swears up and down the director that he is not an anti-vaxxer and this has nothing to do with vaccines and he's in one sense kind of right there because his whole thing is he's just like completely and like anti-scientific medicine 
actually. He blames. Mm-hmm. Mickey is. Yeah, yeah, he blames the death of his mother and brother of cancer and AIDS, I think, respectively, mm-hmm. on pharmaceuticals. Right. So he is like actually beyond anti-vaxxer. He is mm-hmm. like a medical yeah. medium he style homeopath simply crazy an anti-vaxxer. person. He is a <laughs> yeah, modern medicine is a problem and nature and herbs should do it. Yeah, so his his whole uh worldview is constructed around like the pharma cabal, this global sort of biomedical uh power as actually trying to poison people with medications. And now you would, as you'd probably assume, I encounter these folks a lot in my day-to-day life, many of whom uh, tell me that the medication... In unsolicited DMs. (laughs) Right, in in unwelcome, (laughs) unwelcome DMs that, you know, actually, really the issue is that the chemotherapy I take to suppress my immune system is what's killing me. And if I only like went out into a field or, you know, as the medical medium who is not a doctor, but communes with the spirit of a doctor says, like, if I just drank celery juice, you know, this kind of idea that like anything that is like manufactured by this like global biopharma cabal. So I, I will play the, the Rockefeller clip then, because that's a, a <laughs> that that's where some of this um, I mean, the, laced throughout the documentary is this sort of. Uh, is is that sort of language mm-hmm. of like you know nature healing or whatever? But uh, here's um, here it gets extremely explicit because they they pivot quickly from WHO or the WHO as they like to call it um, to sort of like the underpinnings of yeah, but like the contemporary medical establishment uh, like mm-hmm. in total. Mm-hmm. Around the same time that John D. Rockefeller seized U.S. media, he also hijacked U.S. medicine. Oh my God. <laughs> when it was discovered that drugs could be produced from petroleum, America's top oil mogul ordered his army of propagandists to invert reality accordingly. Medicines used for thousands of years were suddenly classified as alternative, while the new, petroleum-based, highly addictive, and patentable drugs were declared the gold standard. After buying the German pharmaceutical company that manufactured chemicals of war for Adolf Hitler, Rockefeller leveraged his <laughs> political influence by pressing Congress to declare natural healing modalities unscientific quackery. Mm. Rockefeller then took control of the American Medical Association and began offering massive grants to top medical schools under the mandate that only his approved curriculum be taught. So, uh, all right. I feel like this is the... I've just had a breakthrough about this guy. I feel like... Mickey, I don't even, I can never remember his last name. Our, our, I was going to uh, say Mickey Wolfman, like the character right. in uh, Inherent Vice, but it's not right. that. <laughs> our, so our, our father slash filmmaker from Ojai, California. Mickey Willis. He, I just realized what it is. He strikes me as like the kind of guy who, he's probably a little too old to actually be this, but he's like the kind of guy who played like Deus Ex for PC when it came out and thought it was all true. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm. Anyway, sorry. So, I mean, they have, there's a strong narrative, right? That the Rockefeller family, there's a really strong narrative. There's a conspiracy theory that comes out of homeopathic medicine quacks. Specifically out of one faction of homeopathy, which is the the naturopath community. And their whole idea is that basically like the Rockefeller family is sort of the like George Soros of wellness and they're, uh, you know, responsible for like 
creating the global pharma monopoly by like, you know, some prioritization of like gas uh, and petroleum-based medicines based on one acquisition of a pharmaceutical company? Like, no. Right. No. And, and like, there is, you know, there are historians of medicine. Uh, some books are published in the 80s and 90s on the relationship between Rockefeller and the Flexner uh, report and the fact that Rockefeller, like, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation was instrumental in, like, helping to promote Flexner's work in, in reshaping the AMA. You don't have to accept... Like, I don't see how that gets you to the <laughs> sort of like, you know, uh, mystical mythology of oil. And uh, I right. mean, like, mm-hmm. I, I guess my point is like, you, you don't have to accept everything else to say like, oh, yeah, maybe there's some weird uh, sort of conflicts of interest in the way that uh, the establishment of the medical profession uh, emerged. And we've like talked about that a bunch on this show, but like. All of these things just it becomes this um, uh, I want to say I need a baking metaphor, but like <laughs> it is this sort of like different things are like braided into the holla of this uh, <laughs> like a fruitcake of this uh, of this account. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we continue on uh, from this to uh, I'll, I'll return to some of the stuff that they say more in general about the vaccines, but like. Uh, to sort of complete the the imaginary power structure, uh, <laughs> basically, they then spend an extended section on um, a Mr. Bill Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, which you know, frankly, like I, you know, whatever. There, there are like there are extremely good uh, and uh, important uh, criticisms to be had of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and its impact on the world. But the way that it's leveraged is here not is hilarious. <laughs> right. Um, so let's, uh, I'm just going to, I have, uh, two clips over this. One is, uh, just to set this up. Here's a, here's a jazzy little section where they, they set up, um, <laughs> Bill Gates as this sort of like, you know, like bond villain, Mr. Burns style character. Again, not terribly far from the truth, but, um, <laughs> In partnership with MIT, Bill Gates has developed a new technology that allows vaccines to be injected under your skin (laughs) along with your medical records. The quantum dot tattoo will implant an invisible certificate that can be scanned by authorities using a cell phone app and infrared light. Eventually, what we'll have to have is certificates of who's a recovered person, who's a vaccinated person. So eventually there will be this digital immunity Mm. proof yeah. Anyway, and so then uh, this this brings us into uh, this wonderful, you know, again, sort of self um, that is poses rhetorical. Once they bring in uh, none other than Mr. Jeffrey Epstein, of course, um, I just, who, who of course has to be part of this uh, Masters of the Universe. Cabal, I just really right? want to like get you know Father and Patriot, just get it all in, Mickey Willis <laughs> from Ojai, California, on a Zoom call and be like, Mickey. It's called capitalism. What's up, dude? Yeah. <laughs> the, the conspiracy is capital, right? Right. It's so much. Yeah. Oh, God. He'd probably interpret that not the right way. He'd anyway, be like, but- <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. I, yes, I, I showed uh, that already. Yeah. He, <laughs> he, he'd probably That's what interpret my documentary that about. <laughs> right. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah. Why would one of the richest men in the world <laughs> choose to partner with the world's most notorious pedophile? <laughs> 
A deeper dive into Epstein's world revealed that the two men had more in common than meets the eye. Like Gates, Epstein was a billionaire philanthropist with a passion for science, health, education, and children. The Jeffrey Epstein Foundation donated millions of dollars to top universities, science institutes, medical schools, early education programs, youth initiatives, and international peace accords. <laughs> Bill Gates is either the most misunderstood man alive or one of the most convincing con men to ever live. Is he a benevolent hero or a malevolent opportunist? Personally, I would love to believe that one of the richest men in the world is giving away his fortune for the better men of humanity. I want to believe that endearing smile. I want to believe. I want to believe that his heart is as soft and warm as his sweaters. <laughs> I just love that line. I'm Incredible. sorry. Never have I seen a documentary that has used so many fictional science fiction movies or like lines from movies Mm-hmm. As um, primary, well, because you because you hear that right, and you haven't watched X Files in like a really long time, and you just think like, yeah, that sounds authoritative. That sounds <laughs> yeah. true until he like, says as warm as his fuzzy sweater. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, so let's let's get to the let's get to the sort of final meat of this, right? So mm-hmm. if we've if we've tried so far, uh, basically we I guess I, I guess to to summarize so far in a way. Uh, really, really briefly, uh, one, the omnipotent masters of the universe in the form of the WHO, the CDC, Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, via the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, probably Jeffrey Epstein, maybe the Communist Party of China, uh, have conspired to push this planned pandemic into the world by owning patents to the virus and therapies to treat it or the ability to do research on it and then profiting on it or to cleanse humanity or something. Right, unclear. Um, And they like get into, (laughs) so then what is the role of a vaccine? Point of order. In all of this. It's the who, Artie. Sure. It's not the WHO. The world who organization. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We return at a certain point to David E. Martin, uh, who gives us this, what I think is the final pronouncement which does solidify this thing of it becomes unclear whether the idea is that they did the coronavirus pandemic <laughs> to profit off of it or to kill people, <laughs> uh, and it is left to you to decide. So let's figure. Let's try and figure that out. Again, choose your own adventure. This isn't a vaccine story. This is a population management story. <laughs> If your goal is to make this beautiful earth that we live on an exclusive playground for the entitled few, then populations that get in the way are a problem. And it is the empirical impulses of individuals who have decided that by outranking the rest of humanity, they can dictate upon humanity the conditions of their existence. Now we need to go and look in families to find those people who may be sick and remove them and isolate them. This bill enables the police to enter a home without a warrant. This is a cognitive dissonant moment which is being imprinted in your brain just like remember the Great Depression, remember 9-11. Weapons of mass destruction. 
we are being conditioned to have the excuse for unbelievable acts of tyranny, which will be justified by remember 2020. And your loved ones, those that die, those that are infected, they're being used as cannon fodder, which is the ultimate desecration of their honor and integrity. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just, it's so interesting because a lot of these guys have this very strong critique of eugenics, right? And they, they sort of weaponize, and you see this a lot in wellness, I think. You sort of weaponize uh, needing to protect the most vulnerable, as a way to sort of explain uh, why, you know, biopharmaceuticals are controlling the world somehow. It's like an argument made in the name of, of those affected that kind of ignores that they exist at the same time. This clip comes after a section where they've just spent a bunch of time talking about, uh, you know, different scenarios where like people have had adverse effect or, like reaction to a vaccine they spend like for for all the as you're saying before for all the uh proclamations that like this guy's not an anti-vaxxer or whatever yeah. this filmmaker's not an anti-vaxxer like um it's very explicitly um it does like there's a whole section fear-mongering about vaccines and it culminates in this moment of like yeah like population control mm -hmm. they then you know the, the that clip ends um and like that clip that I played actually continues on to give this like full montage of like sort of police state antics. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just that it, this frustrates me to no end for a couple of reasons. One, because uh, again, it's as we've talked about a lot recent specifically recently, it's kind of offensive to see this, like this continued assertion that some sort of, uh, like massive lockdown took place in the United States mm -hmm. or perhaps internationally, but yeah. like, um, as though there has been this huge, like, uh, like trampling on, on the rights of people and all of that completely ignores. Like it, it is like it, frankly, it's grotesque and Mm -hmm. Like dis it's like disgusting to to see these uh, like I don't know these like fucking random white guys make this argument when like the like the the forces of the state that are like cracking down on people are not cracking down on these people, people. they're fucking I mean, there's like police say, violence like constant state and police violence like constantly on populations that are not these guys you know? <laughs> yeah I mean like also like come to Milwaukee okay you want right. to go to a restaurant tonight. You'll be eating inside tonight. You want to go to a bar tonight? You'll go to a bar tonight. Car dealership, whatever. Like we did not. The, the, yeah, just like the notion that we had this uh, police state response to uh, COVID nineteen. I mean, it is is so absurd, and I think it just <laughs> it's it it does sort of illustrate that like it doesn't matter what you do if it's like a mild. Please stay at home. Like now it's like voluntary stay at home order. That's not an order. Sorry. Uh, but like, you know, or like the affordable care act or whatever, like it will right. be painted as, as Maoism. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they were calling Cass Sunstein like a Maoist. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't of matter all the do. lies in this fucking documentary. <laughs> no, not the documentary, but yeah. You know. Yeah. You know what I mean. uh, we're we're getting towards the end, so I it was think one funny thing that we can go out on, have fun on. There's oh, there's a I know I know what the last thing should be. 
Okay, I think I think we've frankly we've we've gone now longer than the documentary itself, um, <laughs> and deeper, and, and we've and given more. Again, should emphasize again, have given more cogency to this yes. than exists, <laughs> or than probably deserves. deserves. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and you know, I think again, I guess speaking of cell phones, um, the final moments of this documentary are really something else. True. And they do ironically have a message that is very appropriate when doing a media criticism of this documentary itself. <laughs> while also just being sourced from the worst place possible. So I'm not going to ruin it. Um, I know that I'm sure you guys all know exactly which clip I'm going to play and what's coming, but I will not ruin it for our listeners. Um, the only thing that's real are the movies, Arnie. Anyway, right. Our lives are shaped and guided by stories. The stories we're told become the stories we tell. The more we hear them, the more we believe them. When used as a tool, they help us to better understand who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. When used as a weapon, they can be deadly. One of the most dangerous stories we've been told is the one that goes something like this. <laughs> Humanity is a failed experiment. We are parasites, <laughs> a cancer, a virus. Human beings are a disease. <laughs> it is a myth that permeates oh our movies, our music, <sighs> our media, and our minds. <laughs> you know what Stop I love? ruining so, all my favorite shit! The, so the, the, we, the audio medium, there's obviously no visual on this. So to be extremely explicit... That was indeed the voice of Hugo Weaving in the first Matrix film, speaking the lines to like to Morpheus. He's trying to like deprogram him or whatever. Uh, so this, the closing argument of this documentary <laughs> is literally a Matrix quote. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, th yeah. Th the two central <laughs> moments of this documentary. One is that one. And the other one is just a long passage from the movie network. Right. It's like, this, this movie is very much, uh, it's like, it knows it's, it knows it's sources and they're fictional. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is the, and then, uh, it's, you know, I, we, we won't go into, into this part cause it's so, it's so like, uh, trashy and, and like sugary. It's like, so it's like so saccharine that it's like not even, uh, meant to it, it's not even worth going into really, but they go on this whole triumphal, basically like you are the hero. Take that moment. Remember when, remember when Neo got shot a bunch and then he fucking stood up. That's you right now, man. <laughs> like that's basically what they do. And they play that they do like he, he spliced together. I was just imagining like how much oh time God, did this guy spend finding like, fucking blu-ray torrents of like movies like that's a cool one like let me let me download another one or it whatever it's like a, it's an like, army commercial in a movie yeah. theater it's like uh like blockbuster film after blockbuster film like clips from like the end moments of these movies where like the hero gets up and is all triumphant and he's like <laughs> screaming in the rain um you know 
But anyway, it, it's, it's so funny that it just hypes you up. And now it's like, and now go out and protest mask mandates. <laughs> like, right. like that's I wish a- that like uh, AI voice mimicking software was better so we could recut the ending to have him like <laughs> Mickey Willis be like, I get knocked down. But I (laughs) you ain't never gonna keep me down. Well, see, what's great about the way that he talks is that he leaves pauses between every word, so that it's probably possible to do that. (laughs) Vince, you've got a project. There it is. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so I enjoyed watching this documentary. What about you guys? I, I enjoyed it until I realized probably how many people have seen it. Or seen enough of it to be poisoned by it. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's great until you consider the the world in yeah. which it's being transmitted. Well, and now we have ceded parts of it to you, the listener. So, uh, <laughs> Go sorry. <forth. laughs> I wonder what would happen if you pass this episode through um, the technology to determine the intent of communication. Mm. Yeah. I wonder what, what that market the insight of this communication. Don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway. Uh, all right. Well. Well, I think one thing we can agree on. <laughs> this was better than talking about the election. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I was just gonna say sad. and. and We've we've successfully taken your mind off of the election for an hour and a half ish. Yeah. yeah. Now back to the horror uh, right. brought to you by Death Panel. So if yeah, if at the first mention of the election that was the last time that you thought about it until Phil just brought it up right now, welcome back to hell, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I actually welcome haven't. back to like yeah. another di- a different like level. Welcome back to like hell level two. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Lady, lady shoes and peril. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I honestly did not think about the election the whole time we were talking about it. So thank God. Yeah. What a nice little reprieve. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for coming with us on this uh, journey through the pandemic universe. My favorite part of the documentary actually is that the, the last the thing before the title yeah. credits. <laughs> When you're like, you experience this moment of overwhelming relief that it's over, and then it, it hits you with a the dictionary definition.com or the dictionary.com definition of plan means endemic means. Right. Like, plan, oh. a detailed proposal for doing or achieving something. <laughs> Demic, characteristic of or pertaining to a people or population. Whoa. So, a needle pulling thread. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect yeah yeah i can't wait for the pandemic three like whatever rise Refuting of skywalker or something made by the death panel podcast. Right. yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah well i i found uh david e martin phd on twitter and he's pretty funny and he does have a youtube so maybe we'll have to do a pandemic three where we um oh. We get into uh, David's body of work. You know, his, his uh, Twitter handle is um, Money King sixty seven. <laughs> no, sorry, no, 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 no. Sorry, no. sorry, Monkey no, King. no, no. It's Monkey King. Monkey King. Oh my God, no. Sixty seven, uh, chairman of MCAM. and we haven't even gotten into his blog, Inverted Alchemy. So there's definitely going to have to be a Death Panel presents Pandemic Three. Yeah, the David E. Martin PhD story. <laughs> 
Well, oh, as a tight. parent of young children and a nationalist who worries about America's low fertility, <laughs> I can say with confidence that Plandemic reduces fertility by at least 10%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck you, J.D. Vance. All right. Yeah. I think that's good for today. Thank you for listening. As always, Medicare for all now. Solidarity forever. Stay alive another week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good election day. If you dare. Oh, God.
Fuck, sorry. <laughs> Shit, god damn it. I have to get a better way to do this. The music is just like... So edgy. It would take hours to list all of the questionable initiatives <laughs> that Bill Gates is involved in. True. True. There's a few highlights. <laughs> Fuck, did it happen again? Yeah. God damn it. Maybe Bill Gates doesn't want you to hear <laughs> this next clip. <laughs> 